0: This is Legacy Battle. Make sure you subscribe on YouTube, Facebook, iHeartRadio, Spotify, Google Podcasts. I am Michael Adams, creator of Legacy Battle. My panelists tonight from the Good Iron Battle Zone, Brian King, Penn State Collegiate All-Star, Kevin Adams, Paul State athlete, Paul Habicott. We're joined tonight by a former MLB closer, played 10 seasons with the Brewers, Rangers, Red Sox, and of course, the LA Dodgers. He's a three-time All-Star with 187 career saves, 3.47 ERA. He's a two-time Roll-Aids Relief Award winner. Got a World Series in 2007 when he went on to the Boston Red Sox. In 2004, he was a saves leader. Ladies and gentlemen, Cy Young Award winner, Eric Gagne. Eric, thank you for being here. Thank you. Thanks for having me, guys. Appreciate it. So we're going to talk to Eric after his, uh, about his career. Tonight's debate is the top five closers after Mariano Rivera. We all kind of came in an agreement that it, it's Rivera and everyone else. So tonight's top five after Rivera. And we're going to start this out with Trevor Hoffman.
1: All right, Trevor Hoffman. It's Trevor time. Cue up ACDC's Hell's Bells. Perfect song for him. You know, you hear the gongs. You hear the musical buildup. You see the entrance. Here comes one bad mofo onto the field. Uh, <laughs> the intimidation factor its already working. Trevor Hoffman gets to the mound. You know, he's bringing that fastball. You know, he's bringing that deceptive changeup. He's probably going to get a couple Ks and close the game down. Not only was this guy an amazing closer, he stayed consistent for a very long time. He made seven all star teams, was the relief man award winner twice, was the NL saves winner. I'm sorry, NL saves leader twice as well. And he has the highest strikeout rate of any reliever ever. No one had more career saves in the National League, and no one had more seasons with 40-plus saves. Nine seasons uh, topping that mark. And six of the career records that Mariana Rivera eventually topped belonged to Hoffman, including most career saves and most career games finished. Uh, what I liked about him most was just how money he was. He converted 88.8 of his save opportunities, and that is the third highest rate ever. So you heard that gong, you heard that Malcolm Young guitar, and you knew that Hoffman was coming in to close the game out. Eric,
0: when I think of Trevor Hoffman, like I feel like he's second all time in saves, but he's not the one that comes to the top of people's head like you don't ever hear, "Oh, Trevor Hoffman, it, what, what, what do you think of the reasoning for that is?
2: He did it so quietly. Nice. I think just his style, the way he got guys out. I mean, he just got it in. You know, first of all, he when he was at I think it was in the Marlins when he was younger. He was he threw a lot. Of, he threw a lot harder. I think the last three or four or five years when he has a rotator cuff surgery and he came back, he really relied on the changeup. And I think that's why people they love lights out. They love you know hard hard gas, and they love to blow people away. And I don't think he was doing that. I think he was a really smart pitcher and uh you know he's actually a hitter when he was younger in the minor, minor leagues i think he was a shortstop or something like that so you, know, you could tell as a, as a as a pitcher you could tell he was a little bit ahead of the hitters you can tell like he's been there before so he really knew what he was doing but you know like you said hells Bell, 601 saves i mean it's it's hard to argue with this guy not to be one of the great like, top 3 easily but he he wasn't as flashy as you you know you would expect but he was perfect for San Diego Great pitcher. Doesn't get enough
0: respect, in my opinion. Let's move on to uh, – let's go Jonathan Papabon.
3: Papelbon drafted fourth round in 2003 uh, by the Red Sox. He played uh, three seasons in the minors before making his debut in the majors. Played 12 seasons, most notably with the Red Sox. Uh, he made the All-Star Game in four consecutive seasons uh, from 2006 to t- 2009. He won the 2007 Delivery Man of the Year Award. Um, and he's a World Series champion um, in 2007. He had finished his career with a 2.44 ERA, 808 strikeouts, which uh, that's, that's decent for a closure, um, 368 saves. He was a six-time All-Star in total. He had good velocity. Uh, his, his four-seam fastball, he was throwing it around 95 miles per hour. He had a good slider, good splitter. Um, he holds the single-season record for most saves in a season by a Red Sox rookie. Uh, um holds an uh, MLB record for the most consecutive scoreless innings to start a postseason. Um, he had 25 straight innings in, in, in the postseason with no runs let up. First pitcher in Red Sox history to have three 30-save seasons. Uh, he is one of only two pitchers to record 25 saves in each of his first five full seasons. And he recorded 30 saves each uh, each one of those seasons. Uh, he is the fastest pitcher in MLB history to reach 200 career saves until, you know, Craig, Craig Kimball uh, beat his record. Um, he's the Phillies' all-time saves leader. He's also the Red Sox' all-time saves leader. Uh, he had 219 saves with them. He definitely deserves and has the stats to be in our top five tonight.
0: Also has the second lowest ERA of everybody we're talking tonight, 2.44. So, Eric, you played in Boston with him. I mean, can you tell us a little bit about him? How did he prepare? Oh.
2: Well, Papabon is a different cat. I mean, every closer has got to be a little off a little bit. I think we are all got a little something going on and our uh, – we're a little bit different. I mean, we're wired a little differently, and that Paps was one of those guys. He went out, he was a great competitor, and he was a really, really big team guy. That's what I really noticed. I mean, every closer I think are very team oriented because you really obviously – we're in the game where we win. So trying to preserve a win. But this guy, we're really impressed with y'all. He's a big presence on the mound. You could tell when he was on the mound, his attitude just was just amazing because he was a big guy. He didn't look as big as he really was. He's a big guy, big country guy, amazing split-finger fastball. I think that was his money pitch. He threw hard, really hard. I think back then, if you look at his uh, vertical vertical movement and everything else, he'll be on top of the – you know probably top of the league. He's one of those guys that just, sat, just kept doing it with the Boston. It's really, really hard to pitch in Boston. I mean, under a lot of pressure all the time. I think they really took care of him well over there. They, you know, they managed his safe situation well, but he's just a special guy. I loved him, and especially when he did a kick. Murphy, won the World Series over there. So, uh, when he did that, that song came up, it was amazing. You know, it was a, he really, he, he basically ran that city. I mean, what Paddlebomb was doing good, he was closing games. The city was happy and he wasn't. The city was really a little bit different. So, that's what I love about Boston. And obviously, I thought really highly of him because I had a no trade clause to go from uh, when I was at the Rangers and I got traded over there. I wanted to go to Boston. And I was, a, you know, I was, you know, I'm like, I thought I was pretty good. I was at the end of my career, but I was willing to go in the eighth inning because Faberbaum was there and they had a great bullpen. And it was. A, he's a very special guy. I see him top five for sure.
0: Kevin, you think maybe Papelbon is more recognized than Hoffman because he pitched in Boston and, and Hoffman's been, been in, what, Milwaukee and San Diego?
3: Well, I mean, yeah. I mean, it's kind of obvious that the big markets usually get the most attention and they can also afford, you know, the better teams. Um, and if there is a the good talent in, say, Pittsburgh – <laughs> Nutting, the owner, will uh, trade him away. So, um, yeah, like, I, I think when. not finding anybody in the dugout, man.
4: <laughs> when,
3: you, when you play in one of those historic cities, you know the the big the big market cities, you, you definitely the media the attention's on you a lot more, for sure. Yeah. Well,
0: let's move on to Francisco Rodriguez, K. Rod, another a righty couple righties we're talking about tonight pitch 16 years that's a pretty long time uh pitch for the angels Mets, brewers Orioles, and tigers he amassed 437 saves that's good for fourth all time so maybe he should be in the top five we'll see led the league in saves three times including 2008 where he basically obliterated the single season saves record put up 62 saves i do believe that kind of uh He still had a good career after, but I think pitching that many times in that season might have been a little too much for his arm. But it's still a record today. Um, You know, K-Rod's a six-time All-Star. Finished top five for Cy Young three times. Finished six for MVP in 2008. It's hard for closers to finish high on that MVP race there. He also led the league three times in games finished. Career ERA 2.86. Higher than... uh, probably half the people we're talking about tonight or, or lower than half the people we're talking about tonight. So rookie year, he tied Randy Johnson's record for most postseason wins in a playoffs with five and he helped the angels angels win that 2002 world series, um, you know, against the giants. So that was uh pretty big there going up against bonds. And of course he's two time role Aids relief man award winner. So that no longer exists that trophy, but back when it did, he picked up two of them. So Eric with with K, uh, with K Rod. So he basically had four pitches. How many pitches does a typical closer have? Is it they, they rely on their fastball a lot?
2: Yeah, fastball and then a secondary pitch. I mean, usually we're washed up, uh, you know, starters. I mean, that's kind of what we're, that's kind of what closers became. I think if this a lot of us are not, you know, at least with the Dodgers, that's what you see. You see big prospects go in, get some innings. But I think closers are just like I thought I said it's a little different, but Kayward was one of those guys that just fit right in that, that mode, right in that, that mold. And I think – I don't believe he had that many pitches. I think, you know, he worked on his changeup late. His fastball, his slider was electric. I mean, that slider is one of the best sliders I've seen. It was a very, very, very hard. I mean, the spin rate was ridiculous. And it was one of those that you could see. How he was hiding the ball really well, short arm. Very, very difficult to pick up. I think that's you know you put him one inning. uh, The way he did it, it was perfect. I think he was in the right situation, right? Uh, I think he went on a little bit under the radar. I mean, talk about West Coast closers that go under the radar. I mean, a lot of guys like Trevor Hoffman, this guy. I mean, talk about just a lot of guys went under on the East Coast. You get the attention. West Coast, it's a little later, so guys get a little more tired, but. I think it's uh, I mean, he's lights out. He's one of the greatest closer. But he only need two pitches really to be a closer. But I think I don't think he had four. I think he had maybe three. I thought I had three. I had two really good one, and my curveball was pretty average. And uh, but I think closers you only need two pitches. Get over strikes. Throw a lot of strikes.
0: Maybe these guys were under the radar because of some closer in LA getting all the all the press there. Getting that (laughs) Cy Young. Who knows? (laughs) All right, let's move on. Probably something. So let's go on. Let's go move to our,
4: our oldest pitcher
0: tonight, Raleigh
4: Fingers. Roland Glenn. I think for the ease of doing this, I'll just refer to him as Raleigh. But uh, he played 17 years in the MLB, born 825-46. So we're going old school here. Raleigh played for the Athletics, Padres, and Brewers. He was known, of course, for the Handlebar Mustache, which always seemed to be well-groomed, perfectly in place. When he entered the league, it was it was kind of – he kind of had an impact for this position going forward. It was more common to leave the starter in if there was a lead. He's kind of credited uh, back then for defining the role of closer for that time and in and in, in going forward into the future. Kind of an interesting note about him and how he ended up where he did was the LA Dodgers uh, offered Fingers a signing bonus of twenty grand, but Fingers kind of leveraging himself and hedging his bets. He didn't think he'd have a good chance getting to the majors with them because. They had some dude named Sandy Koufax, and then Don Drysdale. They're always they're already winning, you know, a ton of pennants. Their farm system was stacked full of players. So he ends up turning them down, and he signs for the Kansas City Athletics back then for thirteen grand, so a little bit less uh, on Christmas Eve on 1964. So they're kind of unsure how to use them. They're actually thinking about putting them in the outfield and or maybe pitching them. And I think we we know how that ended up. He gets to the Hall of Fame being a being a Hall of Fame closer. So he finished his career actually with a losing record 114, 118. Got just, a, just under 1,300 strikeouts, 1299. He had a 2.90 ERA, 341 saves, which at the time of his retirement was a record until Jeff Reardon broke it in 92. Bittersweet, no doubt, is it was also the same year he got elected into the Hall of Fame. Raleigh's a seven time All Star, three time World Series champ. First uh, relief pitcher win AL MVP and Cy Young Award in the same season, 1981. World Series MVP of 74. Four times, Mike, four times Rule-Age Relief Man Award. 77, 78, 80, and 81. Three-time MLB saves leader. 34 jersey, of course, retired by the A's and the Brewers. As for the mustache, man, that's like Gagne's glasses. That gets its own fame. Baseball reference ranks Fingers' mustache as the best in history. In addition to his pitching ability, Fingers was noted for his wax handlebar mustache, which if you guys didn't know, he originally grew to get a $300 signing bonus from uh, athletics owner, owner Charles O'Finley. That's Raleigh Fingers. He's got to be on there because he almost defined this role. So, Eric, with Raleigh, he, he was
0: pitching as a closer back in the day when they pitched more than one inning a lot of times. That, that's almost completely unheard of today. But what were your thoughts about that?
2: Yeah, it's, you know what? That's that I love that talk about this old school and new school closers because I think this is where I, I th- we talk about it. I, I talked to Goose Gossage. I play golf with Goose. And just these guys, like these These are the, the original, the OGs of closers, OGs of relievers. These are the guys that really kind of like define, like, you know, you talk about a real thing. It reminds me of the seventh or of Dali's mustache. You know, these guys are just like, they defined the role. This is the reason why Eric Gagne had his song c- coming in and Welcome to the Jungle. This is the reason why the k of the world or something. And I think this is like, it, we, you know, as much as we, you know, the, the old schools hate the new school, the new school don't understand, you know, vice versa. I think it has to be said something. It's very hard to close games. It's very hard to go two innings. It's very hard to go to three innings. And the way they did it, they really, I mean, there's basically, the, you know, he's got MVPs, he's got Cy Young. He's got, I mean, 341 saves. That's that's insane. I mean, this is dominating. This is where you take over a team and you put the team on your back and, you know, well, let's go. I've done it as a closer for one inning at a time once in a while. I mean, it wasn't – that's just different breed. These are different animals, I think. And it's hard to, like, compare them to K-Rod, to me, or to, you know, Trevor. This is just old school. This is just – a. this is just different. These guys are different. They are just went every day. I mean, they just – Got the, you know, they got the job done, I think. I, guys like these, these are these are the OGs, I think. Brian, I
0: know you, you were a Goose Gossage fan, and he's part of our shout-outs tonight. So let's throw that out there. Let's move on to Lee Smith.
1: All right, Lee Smith, another, uh, another old-school guy. Uh, Pulitzer Prize-winning sports writer Jim Murray once said, Lee Smith is the best one-inning pitcher I ever saw. He was the best at smuggling a game into the clubhouse in history. Uh, In fact, Smith smuggled, or better known as saved, 478 games during his career. Uh, He held the record for several years until it was finally broken by Trevor Hoffman and then uh, Mariano Rivera. Uh, Smith made seven All-Star teams, uh, led the league in saves four times, and was the Relief Man Award winner three times. Uh, he was a very imposing figure on the gr- on the mound. He's standing at six foot six inches, 265 pounds. He had a great fastball, a slider and a fork ball. Um, Smith's longevity was impressive. Uh, he led the majors in saves at the age of 36 and made the all star team at the age of 37. Uh, it's interesting to note that Smith averaged 3.72 outs per save while his contemporaries like Roy Fingers and Goose Gossage and Bruce Sutter all averaged between four and a half to five outs per save. Uh, finally, in 2019, Lee Smith was immortalized in Cooperstown, uh, well-deserved because he was one heck of a relief pitcher.
0: How is it a guy like Lee Smith, he sets all these records, one of the greatest closers of all time, how does it take somebody like him so long to get in the
2: Hall of Fame? Yeah, it's 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 another guy go under the radar. I think under undervalued. I think he came in from such a great, great relievers that would go two or three innings or four innings almost. Then you go to one inning special. He's a he's one of the first specialists. Him and Eckersley. These guys are just the first specialists that you know what give us three outs. And I think that's when people start looking at the game looking backwards, getting outs from the ninth inning back and see how can we work that way. And the Dodgers did that. Jim Tracy was one of the best at doing that. I mean, he knew he was going to get outs in the ninth and the eighth and the seventh, and he really – they set it up that way. I mean, he was managing the game backwards, and that's like – these are – you know, you look at your weapons in the bullpen, it, it does change the way you – you know, you're going to – you're going to over, you're going to let him swing at 3-0, you're going to try to get – you know, how are you going to attack the game? You need two or three or four runs. That changes the whole game. So – to me, I think that's where the this guy, one of the good first I defined it, I think is very, very underrated. I don't know why. I don't understand why. Probably because it was a transition time where the old school and then the new school they didn't like each other probably. Like this. this is how they used to do it. That's how. Like, I think he's one of the guys that put up time, put up numbers. I, I've never I've seen him pitch at the end of his career maybe five or six times videos, but he wasn't, he was just a big presence. I think he's the first guy, one of those guys that started doing the routine, sleep before the game or during the game until the fifth or sixth inning and just really wake up, get three outs and go. I think we all got a routine out of him. And uh, he's one of those guys that you don't understand why he didn't get that much credit. But I guess it's just a transition transition period. Well, You, you mentioned Dennis Eckersley. So let's move on to Dennis Eckersley.
3: Definitely, definitely top three, hands down. Uh, should be number two after Rivera. Nicknamed Eck, played between 75 and 98, pitched for Indians, Red Sox, Cubs, A's, Cardinals. He actually had some success as a starter, uh, but he's most known as a closer, uh, becoming the first of two pitchers in MLB history to have both a 20-win season and a 50-save season in a career. Uh, Eckersley was elected into the Hall of Fame in 2004, first year of eligibility, finished with a 3.50 ERA, Over twenty, Just over 2,400 strikeouts and 390 saves. He was the 75 rookie pitcher of the year uh, for the AL. He was a six-time All-Star. He was the 88 ALCS MVP, 89 World Series champ, AL MVP and Cy Young Young winner in 92. Two-time MLB saves leader in 88-92. His number was retired by the A's. He's in the A's Hall of Fame. He's in the Red Sox Hall of Fame. He's on the MLB All Team time, or All Time Team. Uh, he won AL uh, roll Aid's Relief Man Award in '88 and '92. Uh, he had he had the, uh, a very noticeable pitching technique with the high leg kick and this kind of side arm throwing motion. Uh, he had precise accuracy. Goose Gossage actually said once about him that he could hit a gnat in the butt with a pitch if he wanted to. <laughs> I thought that was pretty funny. Um, He was aggressive, had an intimidating stare when he was on the mound. You know, as a closer, he was big on pitching the sinker, backdoor slider. He was ranked uh, in 1999, 98th on the Sporting News, 100 Greatest Baseball Players um, of All Time. Bleacher Report article puts him as number two for the best closer of all time, right behind Rivera in front of Hoffman. And then Fox Sports listed him as number three behind Rivera and Hoffman. So he definitely deserves to be in the top three.
0: Eric, of all the guys we're talking about tonight,
2: is Eckersley have, like, the biggest intimidation factor? Uh, yeah, I mean, is that, that's why I wrote. Really, like, when I look at these guys, I'm, like, taking notes. I'm, like, what, what comes out? Like, is there a word? Like, his attitude. I mean, even his attitude right now when he's an announcer, when he does something with his hair flowing and everything else, his mustache and stuff, and it's pretty special. When you got – anytime you have anybody get voted for AL MVP or any anything to MVP as a reliever, you're like, okay, he's done something different. But I have, I felt like he was under the radar because he's never a guy that had been thrown hard. He never threw that hard, amazing slide, amazing sinker-slider guy. But he's just a big-game pitcher. He's just got guts. He just pitched on guts. And, you know, he's a fail starter. I talk about fail starter. He's, he, uh, he, it reminds me a little bit of the way I took it, I you know. The way he pitched, he was setting up hitters. He was a pitcher thrown for one inning. But I mean you could tell the difference with the starter guy. Guys is just full gas at the ninth inning, A guy can really get out. And I think he understood how to pitch. And to me, he's one of the best pitcher. You know, remind me of John Smoltz. John Smoles was a great starter. He came in relief and he still he got out the way he knew how to learn as a starter. He just he was able to translate that or you know, turn that into a closing role. And I think that's what Eckersley's learned a lot. I have learned a lot. I I failed so much as a starter. I think that's one that made me a better closer to fail a lot. And I think Eckersley had a little bit of the same route. And it's pretty impressive to watch what he, the way he does it. Because he doesn't, I mean, if you look at his stuff, it wasn't that impressive. He just got out. He understood how to get out. And he understood what the hitters are trying to do or just a smart pitcher.
0: Well, let me ask you. I mean, Eckersley, yeah, he's one of the greatest of all time. But when we think Eckersley, are we maybe thinking what he gave up, Kirk Gibson? Yeah.
4: <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> epic moment in history, but um, I, I think like Eric does the hair, the the intimidation factor. I mean, Kirk Gibson. The, I will say the one thing that I'll, about that moment is that seemed to transcend like reality. That Kirk Gibson moment seemed to be meant to be, no matter who was pitching. So I don't think of of. Accurately being the goat in that circumstance, I think of Kirk Gibson. I just want to celebrate him and what he did. I think it was meant to be.
0: Okay, that sounds good. I like
4: that. I've seen I've,
2: I've seen that home run a lot, yeah. so I agree with that. Gibson just did it. That was the Dodgers. the time for the Dodgers in '88. So they, they needed
4: it. We always get in the habit of like ripping somebody, man. Sometimes it's just <laughs> because the dude got a hold of one and he limped around the bases, and it's just going to be an epic time in history. That's all it is. <laughs> all
1: right.
0: Let's move on to Billy Wagner. Billy the Kid. I seem to always have guys that got nicknames. I, I love it. 16 years for the Astros, Phillies, Mets, Red Sox, and Braves. Sixth all-time in saves with 422. And then he, he went out and retired with possibly his best statistical season. So who knows? He wanted to spend time with family. How many more saves he would have had? I mean, he was 38 years old, but uh, he he was just awesome at at that age. So, uh, seven-time All-Star, top 10 Cy Young two times. Of all the pitchers with 800 innings pitched, he is number one in Ks per nine at 11.9. And his 33.2% strikeout rate is number one all-time. And his 187 batting average against is number one all-time. So if you got a hit off this guy, you want to keep the ball. That's how good he was. And to that lowest, uh, and you can add to that lowest hits per nine in history. So lots of number ones here for him in in all time. 1999, got that Rule Aids Relief Man Award. I think everybody's got a couple of those tonight. And he was part of a combined no-hitter in 2003. His career, ERA 2.31. Is the lowest of any pitcher that we're talking about tonight. That's got to put you in the top five. All those number ones in that ERA there. So, I love him. Um, I wish he would have stayed around and, and gave it another two years. Maybe the Braves certainly could have used him um, a little longer. But you know, I guess you got respect. He wants to spend time with his family. Baseball takes up a lot of a lot of time. So, so Eric with with Wagner. His final season, he gets 37 saves, seven and two, 1.43 ERA. I mean, what makes some guys re- retire and then other guys they just they stay as long as they can. Like they'll, they'll pitch in the uh, the minor leagues or the Mexican leagues just to keep going.
2: That's what happens when one of the greatest of all time. I mean, you can do whatever you want. He just walks away. They walk away because they can You know, he's just made good money, and he knew, he, you know, he's achieved pretty much everything you wanted in his career. So I love it. I mean, I wish I would have walked away when I wanted on my own terms. You know, I wasn't fortunate to have that, injuries and everything else. So I loved it. I love guys that walk out on their own, and, you know, he's had an amazing career. There's no – Body that I've ever seen dominate or being that nasty with that slider and the short arm and just coming from off the ground because he's four foot two. I mean, it was a pretty amazing to watch him fish because I was basically same time with him. I mean, he's on my wall for a reason, you know, the only lefty on my wall. He was just very dominant. He was one of those guys that he's 100% in the top five. I don't see he's another guy that when we talk about under the radar, another guy that goes under radar because I don't think he gets. Not just the way, like, Trevor often got a lot of saves. That guy got a, a lot of saves, and it was dominant. It, every time he got out there, he was dominating. I mean, you would talk about the stats you'd look at. I think when he got on the mound, he just, it was just difficult to pick him up. It was hard to see what he was throwing the ball from, and it was just out of coming out of his body. It was a weird little short arm, and it was very, very explosive. So, I mean, I'm glad he retired out of the age he retired because, I mean, I don't think we would have the same feeling the same belief and uh, the same uh, idea of what he could do because he was very special. Yeah,
0: I I just feel uh, two more years. Maybe he's uh, he's up at number two <laughs> and that saves later. But let's move on yeah. to our final pitcher tonight. And we're going back a ways again,
4: John Franco. Yeah, man, happy birthday to my guy, John Franco, born on this day in 1960. Lefty reliever pitching from 84 to 05, primarily for the Reds and the Mets. I mean, this is another sleeper here. I know I'm not going to bully people into voting for him like Kevin does. But, uh, you know, this guy's kind of underappreciated, not as well known as some of the other names. But this is kind of like a true American dream story. John was of Italian descent, living in New York, was the son of a sanitation worker, had a lot of baseball aspirations. He married his high school sweetheart, went on to have a very good career. Started off as, about as good it can be. The freshman at St. John's pitched two no-hitters in, in one season. Uh, He was originally selected by the Los Angeles Dodgers on June 8th in 81, in the fifth round of the amateur draft, then traded to the Reds in 83. Once he was kind of up and running, he became known for just being a really reliable, solid starter, 90-mile-an-hour fastball, really tough to hit breaking pitch that sort of breaks away from a right-handed batter. Compared to like a screwball maybe, and during an interview, he kind of says to the public, he, he calls it a circle change, and that was the pitch that seemed pretty unhittable. For the Reds, really solid reliever. They finished in second place four years in a row from 85 to 88. John, of course, packs uh, on a, a couple Roll AIDS Relief Man awards to his uh, resume. In 89, he gets traded to the Mets and remains with them until 04, making the playoffs in 99, the World Series in 2000. Gets another one of those Aids Relief Man in 90. Led the leagues in saves in 88, 90, and 94. All told, John, you know, being under the radar, still has pretty good stats, 424 saves, fifth most in Major League history behind Rivera to Hoffman, Lee Smith, and Rodriguez, uh, and the most of any left-handed pitcher. 975 strikeouts, 2.89 ERA, so not as low as yours, Mike, but still in the twos. Uh, 1245 innings pitched, over 1,000 games pitched, uh, 1,119. Four-time All-Star. Postseason record of 2-0, one save, 1.88 ERA, and 15 postseason appearances. So pretty locked down. And uh, as team captain for the Mets in 01-04, John's like me on this show, very underappreciated, very overlooked.
2: (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Eric, tell us us your thoughts on uh, Franco. Well, the screwball, I mean, that's what jumps out at me. The screwball in New York, he was New York. I think he fit right in. I mean, I think that's the city, especially the Mets. I mean, they embrace just a grinder, I think. I mean, that's what comes to me to mind, just a grinder. A guy that just doesn't have a lot, just makes the best out of his talent. And then some, and then it's, you no, know, we looked at 400 whatever saves. I can't remember, 470 saves. That's that's 424 saves. That's a lot of saves for a guy who goes on the radar. I mean, it's just the New York. I mean, play for you know the amazing Mets thing. That's a hard to play for those teams, you know, for those teams in New York. And I think, for me, it's like the captain, a leader, I mean, that's he's still in New York. he still represent New York. I think that's that's what clothes are all about. I mean, you know, the the heartbeat of the city goes with a clothes. And I think you could tell you know, he's a New York guy. You could tell he's proud to be there. And you know, they they really really need guys like this. And you know, I, have, I saw him pitch and nothing special. Just a closer just gets it done. Just a bulldog, just a, a guy that just attacks the zone. It reminds me a little bit of a closer, but overall, type, just aggressive with not a lot of stuff. And uh, it's fun to see that. That's why, you know, to me, that's why I think the, the fans in New York are very, very attached to him. It's best, almost like a blue-collar baseball player. Doesn't have a lot, but just gets a lot done.
0: Brian, let me ask you, how does a guy like John Franco, who pitches in New York... Go under the radar and with his stats not getting the Hall of Fame.
1: I I really don't know. I don't really have an answer to that one. I mean, the, the guy is like we always kind of knew he was around. I mean every year he's up at the top of the, you know, saves list and everything. And then for some reason, yeah, after he retires, like everybody forgot about this guy. I, I don't I, I can't really explain it.
0: We're going to throw some quick shout-outs to the pitchers that just missed, missed our list tonight. That was Randy Myers, Jeff Reardon, Craig Kimbrell, Joe Nathan, Kensley Jansen, and Goose Gossage. I mean, Jansen's still pitching, so who knows where he's going to end up when it's all said and done. We'll see. All right, let's move into our vote. Paul, you're in the upper left corner. Who are you taking? Top five
4: tonight. Um, I'm going to go Pavel Bond. Loved his personality, loved his aggressiveness, I guess I got caught up in that – those 2000s Red Sox rivalries with the Yankees. Go on, Jonathan.
3: Kevin? I'm going to have to go with Hoffman.
1: Okay. Brian? Uh, I think we – I think we got to get fingers on here. I mean, the OG. I think we got to go with rolling fingers.
0: All right. And – Man, there's a lot of a lot of good pitchers left. I'm gonna go uh, I'm going with Eckersley. You know, I know I mentioned the Kirk Gibson home run, but gosh, I mean, like you guys mentioned the hair and the stash. He was scary looking out there on the mound, so I'm taking Eckersley.
2: So Eric, it goes to see you. You got a choice of Billy Wagner, John Franco, Lee Smith, and K-Rod. Oh, I'm going Billy Wagner. He's on my wall. I got to go with my boy. You got to go with him. I mean, I think for what he's done, it's not a knock on anybody. It's just to make sure that he's recognized top five, I believe. Awesome. As he so, should be.
0: That makes tonight's top five, Trevor
2: Hoffman, Billy Wagner, Dennis Eckersley,
0: Raleigh Fingers, Jonathan Papelbon. That is the top five closers after Rivera. Nice job, boys. Let's move into our Q&A for Eric. Let's see who got two on the list, Kevin, as usual. <laughs> First question for you, Kevin. Go ahead.
3: All right. So, that uh, I want to take you to 2007 Boston. You, know, you get traded over there. Um, what was your mindset going into Boston, and how did you feel to win the World Series there
2: with that team? Yeah, that's a, that's you know it's crazy because I've had a lot of highs and a lot of lows in my career and the lowest lows was in Boston when I got traded it was one of the highest I wanted to go there I wanted to be there I waived my no trade clause got there won the World Series and uh, I didn't do good so it was really hard that's why a lot of closers do good in big markets it's a big deal it's very different cuz you know you live and die with your closer and the city's heartbeat goes to the closer the city's mood go with it so to me it was uh, it was hard it was very hard to change roles and everything else, but I wouldn't change anything in the world because I got my World Series ring, and a lot of guys I played for a lot of years didn't get it. So, love Boston. I had, a, I had a hard time, but I had a great time. So it's a, uh, you know, it's 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 fun to to succeed, but you know, when you fail, you really appreciate when you succeed.
1: Brian, okay, uh, you had what was called a Vulcan changeup. Uh, we've only seen a select few use this type of pitch. Can you describe the movement that it creates, and how were you introduced to it?
2: So it's it's basically a very regular circle change that you don't really do anything, but it's almost like a Fernando Valenzuela or a Franco the way they threw their their screwball. But mine was just changed the grip a little bit, a little, a little. Uh, I guess I modified my grip a little bit. It was a little thin, a little thick, a little deeper in my hand. But uh, you know, it's just. It's one of those pitches that I just threw as hard as I could. I just let it go and just trying to really uh, focus on throwing it away from my arm, on the inside of the arm. And then uh, the way I learned about this was I saw Pedro Martinez in Montreal. He had huge fingers. I used to watch him uh, basically warm up on the sideline. I would watch him, his arm action, and everything else. And when I got to A-ball, my first pitching coach uh, in, in A-ball was uh, Edwin Correa. I used to pitch him for – Texas Rangers, big, big man. And you taught me how to throw a changeup. So that's basically where I learned it. And, uh, you know, I just learned that arm speed is very efficient. If you can let it go, really throw as hard as you can with a different grip, and it usually works out well. Cool.
4: I got a channel, Eric, here real quick. Okay. <laughs> well, I love it. So, <laughs> well, Eric, I represented you in our Canada show with uh, Rob Ducey. And so I remember that seeing this list. My question for you is, Do you agree with this list on MLB.com, or is there anything you'd switch position-wise or add? And I got number one, Mariano Rivera, Metallica's Enter Sandman. Number two, Trevor Hoffman, ACDC's Hell's Bells. Three was Pavel Bond's Dropkick Murphys, as you mentioned. You were number four with Guns N' Roses. I mentioned that when I was talking about you in that show. And then Mitch Williams, pretty good. The Trogs, wild thing, ended up kind of making a comparison with him and traditional closer Rick Vaughn which would you add anything there did you do you still stand by your choice with guns and roses what do you think about that MLB oh list? oh yeah I love it and to me I think that's just that's just embodied the role of a
2: closer is just a little crazy laugh a little bit a little different I think music plays a big role in that in that position as a, as a closer because it really gets everybody hyped up. It puts you on the edge of your seat, and I wouldn't change. I mean, that's the best feeling in the world. I wish people could be on the mound for one or two pitches just to feel the adrenaline. It's the best drug in the world, and you know, you have a good song. You have a hopefully good results, but I think uh, all those old-school guys that really gave us the chance to become what we became because we really got three outs out of 27, and that's not a lot if you really look at it, but we got all the glory, so we'll take it and really, really want to appreciate those guys that Gossage is the world, the fingers of the world, and all the all the old school guys that really did it for us for three or four innings and gave us a kind of a role. So but I really appreciate it. It's the best feeling in the world. It's fun.
0: So from 02 to 04, you you dominated, but you pitched a lot, a lot yeah. of games. Do, do you feel that maybe they might have overused you and that caused some of your injuries that would come in 05 and
2: 06? I don't care. <laughs> I really don't care. Cause like I said, I wouldn't change anything in the world. And we have, you know, it, it, it. of course, if you look back, I wish I never got hurt, but then I wish I would have ate better. I wish I would have taken care of my body a little better when I was younger. There's a lot of what is, but I had a great career. I had great coaching. I had great teammates and, no, I mean, I, I, you know, I was – that's my mentality. You give me the ball, I'm going to go get outs, and that's what my job is. And, you know, I wish I had a longer career. Yeah, of course. But, you know, I regret nothing. I look back and all the good and the bad decisions I made, I live with it. That's just kind of what creates what I am right now. And, uh, yeah, I mean, I wish I would pitch longer, but my, my three or four years of success was amazing. I mean, it was a high of the high, so I was lucky. Very gratitude is – that's basically the word I to because I was lucky to be there. Kevin. Uh, so, growing up,
3: I think I read that you, you played hockey. Um, oh, yeah. You're, you're from Montreal. So, I was just curious, how did you end up going into baseball and was there, like, somebody that you, like, looked up to that got you in, into pitching and whatnot?
2: Well, my dream is to be a hockey player. That's what I wanted to be. And then the, the glasses you got, I thought I was a handsome brother. I was a fighter. I was a guy that loved to go, uh, you know, just go for 30 seconds through 45 seconds on the ice. And I really think that's what built me as a closer. I, when I became a closer after starting, I think really it made me a guy that just goes aggressive. I'm 100% all out. I'm, you know, when I'm on the mound, I'm super emotional. And I'm really not like that during the day or any time except on the mound. I'm really, really different guy. And it's you know that was my that was my luck because I was a hockey player and uh, I decided to play baseball because my dad told me to play other sport. He goes, you can't play hockey all year. It was too expensive. He goes, you got to do something else. Baseball's outside. Summers in Montreal, there's not they're not very long, so you got to enjoy it. So I just played another sport and I fell in love with the game. You know, it's like. Playing chess and just, you know, it's, I love I love baseball. I really fell in love with it and I'm still involved in the game. So when I wanted, I wanted, it was hard to quit hockey because that was my dream. But when they told me, you know, I can make money playing baseball, I'm like, hey, sign me up. I'm in. Brian. What
1: I read that you attempted multiple comebacks uh, after a shoulder injury halted your career. Uh, What was it that caused his comeback attempts to fall short? And what is the next chapter for Eric Gagne?
2: I'm still trying to come back in my head. (laughs) I'll never quit. (laughs) I'll never quit. You know, the reason why I came back is I wanted to play WBC. I never had a chance to play WBC. I was hurt and I was on a contract and wouldn't let me do it. And then my second comeback was I want to play in the Olympics. That was my biggest goal. I want to play in the Olympics. And that was one of my pride play for my country. I just have the Olympic experience because I missed it in 96 with Team Canada. And that's why. I, and I love pitching. I love pitching. I love going out there. I train guys all the time. What's next for me is training. I be, that's why I throw. I do a lot of different techniques. I do a lot of different workouts and just, I'm just trying to improve myself as a coach. i got to feel what I feel. I, what I'm teaching is right, so I try to do that with them. That's why I try to stay in shape, keep throwing every day and just uh, try to teach, try to feel what they
4: feel and be, you know, part of it. Cool. Yeah, but I covered his love of hockey when I represented him, so you better go back and watch that show and memorize that. All those questions were answered when I talked about that. Eric, you're, you're doing some coaching now and you've mentioned it when you, I, I read that piece of advice your dad gave you about transitioning to baseball, you know, play longer. You ever channel, uh, you know, prior coach Richard Gagne in any of your coaching or, uh, cause I, I read where he was <laughs> here in little league. And so he must've, he must've transitioned quick with you there because he went from telling you to play another sport to being your little league coach. That's right. Huh?
2: Yeah. No, my dad, man, my dad, he's, uh, there's a lot of what I do is very it surprises me on a daily basis because I sound like him now. I'm like, yeah. wow, you know, it's just like it's crazy because he passed early. And I'm like, wow, that's everything I say I've learned. You know, when you're young, you don't listen, you just <laughs> hear it, but you don't really listen. And when you get older, you're like, yeah, I guess I, I guess he was right on certain things. And what I take from my dad is just a positive, just being a positive presence, I think. You want, you want to tell you the truth. You want to tell like it is some guys are not good. You got to tell them why they're not good and why they, how they need to get better. And my dad was very good at doing, telling the truth, but I really, had being honest with people, but I've been super positive and finding a way to get some done. And for me, I think that's what, as a coach, you need to be positive. You need to be like, you know what? I'm here with you. It doesn't mean that we're not going to go through ups and downs or you're not going to, you know, it's not going to happen overnight. But I think it's very important to be there as a present, positive presence and really kind of support them, be there for them. So you, you want to sigh young.
0: That's not something that happens often for closers. Was it something that you were expecting or were you just kind of like shocked that you got it?
2: I was very shocked. There's something I never expected, never thought it was possible. And I still don't believe that you know, reliever should get the Cy Young award, winner, unless a starter doesn't do their job and don't you know, win twenty twenty games or whatever. You know, I don't think a reliever should do win a Cy Young. I, I think it's it's fun, it's fine, it's great, it's very rewarding, it's a great honor. But I don't believe that. But you know, I never expect that. I never, I never saw as a, a save as a personal stats. I saw it as a team win, and that's really, I think, that's what really made me really thrive and you know if you look at all my saves with the Dodgers all my saves we won the game I think you know either Beltre hit a home run or Sean Green hit a home run it was a team team win and that's what I loved about being a closer because I just trying to preserve the win that the boys work for eight innings to get me in the game get three outs and that's kind of how I saw and it was an honor to be able to do that because it's it's you know Playing for the Dodgers, playing for that type of organization, that type of history, and put the Dodgers jersey on. It was just, it was an honor. It was fun.
0: Well, the way that ba- baseball is going with starters pitching less and less, do you think there'll be more relievers winning Cy Youngs in the future? <laughs>
2: I don't know. It depends on the rule change. I mean, you're looking at blown saves now. How do you value blown saves? Now you're going to have all the extra innings, blown saves. You got the ERA is going to be affected. You got the game changes. I think if you look at a reliever, it doesn't matter. It can be a setup man that wins it. I don't believe a closer or a reliever should win the Cy Young. I don't believe a pitcher should win an MVP either. But there's always exceptions to every rule. If the guy dominates that one year and if you guys, you know, there's not guys that – there's times that people don't hit 30 home runs or they don't really dominate. And you know what? A guy like Akersley comes in and just sweeps because he's there and every day and he gets 60-some saves or whatever. It happens. But to me, a reliever is just a reliever. You know, it's just a guy that has the back end of the game and just trying to save save the boys, you know, a little bit of a heartburn. Always going to be a little hard. It's going to be – difficult, but you're just there to save the, you know, not save, but preserve the win. And I don't think really the crows just care about the hardware. I really don't. I think they're there just to be part of the team. And, you know, it's great. You know, I, I didn't know they didn't have the real-age real, real age relief man of
4: the year anymore, but it's kind of cool. 2012, we learned. <laughs> 2012. Yeah, right? Yeah. Well, thank you, Eric. So what do they give show. now?
2: What do they give for the He's relievers? the
4: relief man award now. It's boring. Just like everything else oh. is going but like we, I was thinking, you don't hear too much reference to roll aids anymore, do you? Yeah,
2: that's why I was. Why I didn't even know it was done. I just started. I didn't know it was roll Well, roll is actually a given name for that.
4: Yeah.
2: <laughs> Maybe they went out of business or something. Who knows? Yeah, I wonder. Oh, yeah. I wonder what happened.
0: <laughs> well, thank you so much for joining us tonight, Eric. We appreciate it. Awesome to talk about your career and and hear your views on these closers. Any anything. Uh, I know you were coaching for the, the the Rangers organization there for a while. You have plans to try and coach somewhere else or
2: uh, we'll see. I mean I, I love coaching in my backyard. I got a lot of guys in the offseason they come over. I got a lot of guys triple A in the big leagues. So I just I stay in touch with the game. I own a B-45, the bat company. So I'm always in the game. I learn a lot about the new technology. I'm a big techie, nerdy. Reliever that loves to learn about new technology and integration, how the data works, and how you basically get the data to the player without really just being a robot. So that's kind of my uh, my new fun stuff. Got to get the take the data, translate it to the guys, and almost dumb it down or make it more efficient for the players to utilize.
4: Billy Bean, you got to get with Billy Bean, man. <laughs> I know.
0: Be- <laughs> <laughs> he's a well, man. Thank you for everyone watching tonight. Make sure you hit that subscribe button on whatever you're listening on. Have a good night.